Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are delighted to be joined by creative director of Project 7, Lisa Fitzgibbon. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you and uh, whereabouts in the world are you joining us from? Hey, Dan. Nice to see you. Good to talk to you. Um, yeah, I'm great. Thanks. I've just had a yoga class, actually. Um, I'm looking over the Slide Valley in Stroud in Gloucestershire. We moved here three years ago, so I'm in my studio with a view. It's fabulous. Sounds very nice. Mm. Um, well, thank you once again so much for for joining us for a chat today. So, Pleasure. Project 7. Um, for those who maybe haven't heard of Project 7 before or are unaware of the work that it does, could you please give us a little bit of an outline as to what its what its mission is what its purpose is and uh a little bit of background on how it how it came to be okay well project seven is a songwriting community um it started off where i wanted to jump ship from the solo singer songwriter um touring kind of lifestyle and I wanted to join these writing rooms I wanted to join writing groups I wanted to write for other artists I wanted to learn from other writers because I'd spent 20 years writing on my own it was really hard not to crack that one it was really really difficult to find other collaborators that I could work with professionally Um, so after trying uh, to break into that via various management people knocking on doors doing cold calling Um, I just decided to set up a songwriting retreat event myself with production because I'd done I'd done lots of songwriting retreats, but there was no production in the room. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a great experience. But for a working songwriter, it's almost like digging a hole and filling it back up again. If you don't have production from the session, I don't know, it just feels instinctively like a waste of time to me. My background is also music production. Um, So I just decided to uh, try and set up a songwriting retreat with production so that I could meet fellow writers and work with people that were better than me. I thought, well, if I can't find them, then, you know, I'll bring them to me. And my partner uh, in crime is a producer called Ian Wallman. I found him through LinkedIn and we just started writing sessions together. And then another friend of mine owned a hotel in Brighton and he said, just do it here. So we really started seven years ago, not knowing what we were doing. Um, and we thought, well, let's, let's bring other writers together. And it's grown since then. We've now moved to Rockfield Studios. And now really, Dan, our mission is to give aspiring and professional songwriters the professional opportunity to, it's really a networking event, but it's a professional writing session. So we employ headline producers who are internationally renowned, uh, like Stu Jackson from Massive Attack, uh, Greg Haver, Manic Street preachers um gethin pearson who's written and produced with charlie xcx and's done the latest badly drawn boy album uh ronnie size i mean talvin singh we, we've got so many writer producers who have worked with artists like lana del rey to uh, it's just a massive genre of lots of different genres and the key to project seven is that we put writers in rooms with these producers so that the producers, they they run the sessions like a professional session. And at the end of the day, you not only have, and it always blows my mind, the quality of music is incredible. You don't only have like a mixed, a written, recorded and sort of mixed great quality demo, but then you've got a product to go on and do post-production with and then that can go on to do, you know, to release. So you've actually got something to show for it. 
Um, and it really works. Like it really, really works. So after seven years, we've had uh, so many different collaborations. I think we've had something like 17 releases. We've had three album collaborations that I know of that have come from connections at Project 7 events. Um, last night I heard from one of our Project 7 alumni and he said that the year he came it totally changed the trajectory of his career and he's now doing soundtracks for a uh, film so it's 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 a bit of it's it's lots of things project seven a lot of the opportunity that people get to form that proper friendships actually happens outside the studios mm. you know at the meals and at the walks and at the talks because it's like it's really really hard to break in to worlds that are separate from your own sort of creative world. And I know why, because once you have a writing team or once you have a trusted nucleus, you stick to that because you know it works. You you know, keep the same plumber, you keep the same gardener, you keep the same, you know, au pair or the people that you trust you keep around you because you know that you can rely on them. So Project 7 helps artists to find different niches for themselves inside of this kind of collective um, of creativity and it's a it's a really it's a magnificent thing you should come down yeah. you should come down one day well you, you sold it pretty well to me there it sounds amazing <laughs> well the reason why yeah. i know headliner is because we did a press a day uh six years ago and paul who is headliner really he came down for the press day so he joined because he's got you know he's, he's a musician as well and he actually joined the writing session he joined the writing team he was like yeah i really get this so you know, slowly we're starting to become um, sort of more international. So we have artists coming from America, Australia, New Zealand. Well, Greg Haver, our producer for July's event, he's British, but he now lives in New Zealand. And we're getting an international reputation for what we do because it's quite unusual in that it's songwriting with internationally known producers um, in a pop-up studio, in a studio, well, at Rockfield Studio, which obviously is has got its own story. <laughs> yeah, of course. So... So what does one what would one of these retreats look like if you were a songwriter who's not been on a on a songwriting retreat mm. let's say let's say you're either a, a completely solo writer or you you have a partner who you write with and you've always done things a certain way but for whatever reason you've you've felt a little bit nervous or reticent to kind of take a step into 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 one of these kind of group sessions what what could what could what could one expect Well first of all um you apply to come so it's the the residential re- retreats are not workshops. So they're actually professional writing days. Like they're set up like actual, you know, Nashville or LA writing days, writing sessions. The first thing to do is to apply. So we ask our applicants to um, upload sort of various audio samples and we have a board, um, usually the producers who are on have a listen and we decide who, who we invite. Um, there's no point having, you know, seven singers in a room um we try and keep the writing rooms to about four people but um there's no point having you know everyone a singer we have to have like a a variety of instrumentalists and musicians um so if you get accepted along basically what you expect is you put your favorite instrument in your car you drive up to rockfield and everything is being taken care of cared for you know every you're being looked after you've got accommodation you've got three meals a day your job as a songwriter is to go into the team in that that morning's team um with a totally uh open mindset 
to create a piece of music that will be completed by 7pm when we do the uh, listening sessions. Um, Every day is different. Every session is different. Obviously, it depends on who the headline producer is. A lot of them have, you know, um, their own preference. Gethin Pearson, you walk into a studio with him, he'll spend the first two or three hours talking getting to know people, chatting about conversation, you know, having conversation, writing things down, you know, the group will find a common theme and then bang, the music happens. So, you know, someone maybe Gethin in his writing sessions normally comes up with beats or grooves or something. Um, Often we like to have a featured artist or a top liner in each room so that there's actually a singer so that we can, you know, produce a song. Um, And by lunchtime, often, you know, the magic's already happened. So the afternoon part of the session is normally for polishing, for tracking, um, maybe filling in verses here or there, you know, writing different sections, maybe putting a bridge in. Um, and then the end of the day is normally sort of bells and whistles, bit of mixing, maybe a bit of mastering if there's time. At the end of each writing day, uh, we all sit down together, which is the best part of the day for me. And uh, we listen to uh, the songs that were written. And then the producers and the artists get a chance to talk about their process, you know, how they decided the theme that they were going to work on, um, how they went about the writing process, the production process. Then we all have a meal together. We hang out, a few beers if people want it. And then the next day you're up again and the groups are announced at breakfast. So it's like three intense writing days, one after another. You get to work with all the different people at the session. Um, so you get a variety of uh, experiences with all the different writers. And at the end of the day, you walk away with a, uh, a song that's been mixed and uh, often mastered. Uh, you have access as the writer to all of the sessions so that there's a post-production. You know, a lot of people take the music and then work on it after the event. That's kind of a typical day, but there's all sorts of things that happen in between. Time. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, anything could happen really. But yeah. uh, generally we try and aim for uh, a team with a headline producer, three to four people, a song finished by the end of the day that we can listen to. Fantastic. And have you found the kind of appetite for these sorts of retreats has increased or been impacted in any way by the pandemic? You know, has the, the fact that people have been so kind of sequestered away, mm. uh, you know, isolated possibly, uh, has that led to, you know, now that we are, you know, well, we're always hesitant to say over COVID, but we're kind mm. of in a much better place, it seems, than we were several months ago. Has, have people started to kind of really want to just be in a room with other writers, with other, you know, producers, musicians, et cetera, more than ever? Has there been a little bit of a, a kind of spike in interest as a result of that? Um, yeah, I would say that there is a lot more interest now. I mean, to be honest, we've had to postpone our Rockfield event twice now. So it's been a really long distance run, to be absolutely honest with you. Um, I think people are still slightly cautious about the whole government sort of closing the borders again. So we haven't had as many international artists. We've got someone coming from Sweden. We've got a couple of people from America. But generally, we get a lot more international applications. Um, But I think people are still um, a little bit cautious about travelling. 
I find we've decided to do a masterclass series. So we've decided with Rockfield to do one day events, which have become, uh, that's picked up quite a lot of interest so that people can kind of trial the Project 7 experience without committing to the whole retreat, um, which I think we're going to be doing a lot more of uh, next year. So that's something that we can let people know about in future. But I think generally from what I gather from the applicants that we had, people are really super keen. They're at the blocks. They're just really, really ready to to get going. We've all, it's just all been so hesitant and precious and, you know, the, the caution of, of any kind of creative um, field, I suppose, in any industry really, has just been really long drawn and difficult. Um, so to be honest, I think really we're still recovering from that whole event kind of mentality. I think that, you know, we're going to start slowly with with Rockfield and with our Project 7 events and build it up the next three or four years, be doing maybe three or four there a year. But at the moment we're sort of still, I don't quite believe it's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've had to, tra- still- I've had to, um, postpone it twice and you know some some people have been really keen and they've just you know kept onto their place for the last two years so i know that they're really raring to go yeah no absolutely yeah. i think that um it'd be foolish to to kind of approach it any other way i don't think anyone i don't can think we of... can i don't think anyone can i mean you know not even uh, you know any arts industry that relies on a group kind of creativity I think it's just really, really difficult to plan most things now. I'm starting to build my confidence. I'm starting to sort of look ahead to next year. But up until about six months ago, I was still like, I don't even know if this is going to happen. Yeah. No, well, like I say. <laughs> but it is. It kind of, it makes sense. You know, there's still, uh, as, as we see in the touring world, you know, there are still, mm. there's still lots of uncertainty. All it takes is one person to get ill and it yeah, can kind yeah. of derail, derail plans, uh, you know, so... Yeah, I think for I think for the UK though, we need a really best. good summer. So if we have a really good summer this year, people build their confidence by going out and about and going back to events and back to festivals and things. I think that will have a really positive impact on the smaller events that we run, like the cultural events like Project Seven and you know, the smaller sort of indoor events, I think will benefit from that. So let's let's see, fingers crossed. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about your kind of origins in the industry and how you how you came to be you know where you are now with Project Seven and what your what your kind of route through the through the music industry has been. Yeah, well, I'm a singer songwriter. Um, that's my sort of uh, moniker, really. Um, and through the journey of recording, writing, and recording, producing five or six six albums, I did the original material. I kind of fell into the production side of things. So I studied sound engineering at Kingston University. Um, and then I stepped more into the production side of some other artist projects whilst I was still um, touring and writing and recording as Lisa Fitzgibbon. My band is the Power Folk Quartet. So it's kind of acoustic. I call it sort of, uh, yeah, Power Folk. It's kind of acoustic, contemporary folk music, really. My ensemble is um, a violinist who's classically trained, but she plays fiddle, um, double bass, acoustic double bass, and bazooki harmonica, mandolin, guitar, just all the stringed instruments, really. We play Glastonbury and Cambridge Folk Festival and art centres, and I toured Europe and Italy, and I'm from Australia originally, so we did quite a lot of touring in Australia. Um, Then about, I think about 15 years ago, maybe more actually, about, no, about t- between 10 and 15 years ago, um, venues stopped paying 
you know, middle range artists like myself. I mean, I was touring with some, you know, Chris Difford from Squeeze and I was doing, you know, some really good shows. But they started, the the venues and the promoters sort of started saying, well, you can do this show, but it'd be really good exposure for you, you know, and we don't really have the budget or we'd be the last band, you know, and it just became financially unviable. So I, I, I took a step back from the madness of being a touring artist and I really focused more on the home studio production, songwriting. That's kind of when I sort of flipped my world and I wanted to you know jump in on a, a writing session with Sia you know mm. um which hasn't quite happened yet <laughs> <laughs> but you know I think it's really important as artists in any genre that you're in I mean my sister's a ceramicist and an Egyptologist my brother's a visual artist we all have to do other things to provide stimulation and income you know and I kind of found myself doing that and falling on my feet with music production it was just a real eye-opener because it gave me a lot more control of my sound and um I love the studio environment I mean that's probably my favorite creative space you know um so Project 7 was just felt like a natural progression I mean it's not really a a job (laughs) as in you know I don't earn loads of money out of it it's more a passion of mine and being involved in in creating like uh, something from nothing over and over again. There's just something that's just so alluring about that. Yeah. And as far as right now, I mean, I'm working on a project um, song cycle that's uh, Arts Council funded. I moved to Stroud three months ago, so I'm commissioned to write six song cycle inspired by um, a wonderful book called Sided with Rosie written by Laurie Lee, who's a local author who lived in the Slad Valley. And I've just loved delving into the stories and writing songs um, with my collaborators um, based on the stories from this from this uh, book. And we're going to be rolling out a series of shows this year and then that's going to go on to building, I'm going to build an app and we're going to multi-track um, that. But it's the whole process, again, which, you know, Project 7 has really informed. Um, the delivery of this is that I'm delivering demos. So I'm not just delivering the final mix mastered this is wonderful bells and whistles um songs or albums or lps which i've done for years and years and years what i'm delivering to people is the process and it's quite difficult to do a demo in my home studio and then put that online you know it's not multi-tracked it's not being you know there's no spit and polish on it it's just literally the first version demo and the feedback I'm getting from it is brilliant. People find it really freeing. I'm finding it really freeing. You know, it's like, oh, I'll fix that in an, you know, I'll fix that when we record it or, oh, that's an interesting decision. You know, I might move this around or I might move that around, but it's been a real learning process for me. Um, but that project's called Down in the Valley and um, co.co.uk, people can check that out. And I'll see the whole process. So once we've finished the demos and I do a video diary, like a video vlog for each of the stories, um, our next project is to uh, do the multi-tracking, which we will then also diarise. And then hopefully, if I get the funding, we're thinking about doing a GPS responsive app through the valley where you can walk around and hear the songs and the stories that's um, triggered by the different areas you are in the Slad Valley. So it's really exciting. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. It's fun. It's good fun. I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. You know, it's the first kind of creative project I've done for myself um, since I can remember really that's just not been a proper pain in the ass. you know you get stressed and you've got delivery times I don't feel like I'm competing with anyone anymore 
because I'm being funded to do it, I feel like an artist again. Yeah, it's it's good for a lot of reasons, but yeah. um yeah, it's keeping me it's keeping me going really. Amazing. I mean there was a one thing you touched upon there when you were talking about kind of moving from your kind of work as a sort of a, a singer and a songwriter into production and engineering and things like that. I, I was curious to know what your thoughts are on kind of what the, the definition of a producer is these days. Like, I mean, what, what is what, how you define that term personally, but also do you find that, you know, whether it's people coming to songwriting retreats or whether it's people that you collaborate with, that they have wildly different ideas of what a producer is or should be, because it feels like one of those terms that mm. has always been slightly anomalous, but in, over the past kind of, you know, couple of decades particularly, it feels like it can mean such different things to, to, so, to so many different people. I know what you mean, actually. It can be a great area, actually. Well, for me personally, um, as a producer, I see that person as the, as the, like a music, like a film producer, I would imagine, like the, the overseeing the project. When, for example, when I produce an album, um, the last one that I did for another artist was actually an artist called Will Cox, who I met through Project 7 events. Um, and I co-produced that one with uh, Nick um, uh, from Evolution Studio in Oxford. Um, and really my role there was to oversee everything from the um, arrangements uh, to organising the musicians who were coming in, the session musicians, and, you know, my role was even to sort of steer, if you like, the visual um, aesthetic that the artist was going to put on the final product. Um, I did uh, personally for that one, I did some of the engineering, but we had another engineer in to do a lot of the um, recording. It's just basically, I see what you're saying. It's difficult. It can be quite blurred, can't it? Because there's a lot of engineer producers now who are songwriters as well. And I would definitely call them producers. But then having worked with someone like Youth, um, who's a headline producer for Project 7, he's not an engineer producer. He's like an exclusive producer, an executive yeah. producer. So he will come into a room and, and guide the room, but then he will have um, an engineer there doing all the buttons and switches and, you know, blowing all the whistles. I think I, I see the producers, the many producers that I've worked with in the past have been... Um, you know, collaborators that have either been engineer producers or just produ executive producers um, that I've really lent into and who have guided me through the whole project. So I would define personally a producer as someone who has got the overview of the whole project and actually guides the artist through yeah. it, whether or not they, you know, sit on the controls or, you know, on, on a phone listening to remote recordings and stuff. I've, I've done remote producing for artists um, in uh, North America that I've not been in the studio with them but i've produced it um remotely yeah, yeah no it's, yeah. it's it's really interesting what to do hear. you um, think it is dan what do you, well, what do you think it's i i mean i'd be inclined to to sort of agree with you it's someone that kind of gets for you know it sounds a little bit vague but someone that kind of gets the job done that kind of oversees the project there's a lot guides. more to producing than just yeah, pressing record do you know yeah, what i mean like you've got to make musical decisions i think if i was looking for a producer to work with I would need someone who is music has has music knowledge. 
Yes, yeah. Because when it comes to making a decision about arrangement and making the final decision when it comes to mixing, you know, even to the point of, you know, what frequency is the bass going to be and is the snare drum too too forward or, you know, I really need someone who's a better musician than me and it's someone I can lean, really, mm. really lean into. Well, it's it's very yeah. it's very interesting because I like I say I I would I would be inclined to to sort of agree with the description you just gave, but then I've you speak to some you know, speaks to a number of people who have worked with all kinds of different producers and some people mm. kind of see them as someone that's almost there to just sort of almost mediate between band members. Possibly sure, that's part of it. Yeah, Definitely. sometimes it's just being able to kind of help guide the sessions and just kind of poke people in the right direction. Sometimes mm. I've heard artists say that they've had, uh, sorry, I've heard producers say they've had artists kind of approach them almost with a, we kind of want you to sort of basically be a, not just a co-writer, but almost like a lead writer on these things. Yeah, We've got yeah, some ideas. Definitely. Can you just make something out of them? Mm. Others where they've got artists come to them where everything is sort of 99% done, but they just need that little extra input to mm. to get things to a, to a different level. So yeah, absolutely. It, it, There's lots of hats. Another really, really important job of a producer is just to keep the sessions moving because you can waste yeah. so much time. So, you know, before I go into a session, I map out, every single thing just so I can crack the whip. I, I don't want the artists to feel like they're hurried or compromised. That's another thing, your bedside manner. You want to get the best out of these musicians and these artists. So you want them to feel really pow- empowered and, you know, really respected. And and that's another, you know, side of being a producer. It's many, many things I would yeah. say, but I love, I love that sort of, you know, in, in, that 360 degree kind of facilitating, um, position that you can take and i think the best really the best producers are the people who have evolved you know as artists themselves and they've been in that position you know and they can you can understand what someone's going through when they're trying for the 60th time to you know make a take it's just like right you got to take control here um and, and and having empathy with the artists i think is just really really important yeah absolutely so what what can you tell us about what's coming up? Whether it's with Project Seven or anything that you might be working on separately, what what do the next few sort of weeks and months look like for you? Yeah, so the next few months to me, I'm trying to get this uh, song cycle in my head and rehearse with my band. So we're planning to um, tour that or do some dates really as a preview tour in the autumn. So that's kind of my. <laughs> creative box ticked um for project seven well we're at rockfield in july and really all roads lead to rockfield um we've got two sessions there we're nearly sold out which is great so we've got four places left for two sessions uh for the residential songwriting retreat that's uh session one's from the 18th it's 22nd of july and then the session two is from the 22nd to the 28 26th of july We've got a masterclass, songwriting masterclass, one day event right in the middle of that, which is the 22nd. Um, yeah, so I'm sort of pedaling towards towards that. But we're also um, having meetings with Rockfield um, about setting up some masterclass events in the autumn. And they're going to be slightly different in that we're going to get uh, some actual big name songwriters rather than the producers for the masterclass days. So that's that's all exciting. And uh, trying to have a life in between. <laughs> <laughs> Try and well, do a bit more, you know, of, of my own uh, my own stuff, keep healthy, happy, all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah but really the, the main focus this year after having, you know, nearly three years off with covid um, with the coronavirus uh, issues, um, I really want to get Project Seven 
into Rockfield, you know, legs on, oil machine, you know, let's get some songs written. That's yeah. really my main focus this year. Great. Well, you know, it sounds like it's going to be fantastic when it does happen. Yeah. And we, uh, we wish you all the very best with it. Thank Thanks, you so much Dan. for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.